edition of the College Football News Podcast. As always, I'm Nick Shepkowski alongside Pete Futek. Counting down the days, counting down the weeks, hell, counting down the hours as well until college football gets started on the 24th of August. Tons to come on this episode. We'll talk to the mastermind himself. Paul Feinbaum is going to join us. Talk all things college football playoff, SEC, Clemson, Alabama, plenty of that to come. Eric Edholm from Yahoo is going to talk college football talent levels with us coming up here as well. Discuss some of the tiers of teams and programs and where many teams sit going into this year. And we're going to go over our Power Five, a quick look at the major conferences, the major programs across the country as well. We'll do that all in this hour to come. But we start with the annual collision course that we feel and appear headed for yet again. Round five forthcoming, Bama, Clemson. Do we want that? Is it good? for college football. Oh my God, Pete, so many ways to go with this. It's the obvious big story going forward. And they're the they're obviously the two big dogs. They are the stars of college football and every all eyes are going to be on them. Can they falter? Can one of them screw up? And the genius of these two programs over the last several years has been their consistent greatness. It, we're almost taking it for granted now that, oh, of course it's going to be Clemson and Alabama. This is so hard to do to get it to this level where every year you can't lose two games. Look at Ohio State. Look how amazing Ohio State's been. They get rocked by Purdue. They get rocked by Illinois, or, I'm sorry, Iowa two years ago, and that's it. They don't get into the college football playoff. You don't have that with these two teams in Clemson and Alabama, and just to get there every year is great, but are we tired of this as a nation? Do we need something different? It's been fun, but the last two games have been clunkers. Does America need something different than Clemson, Alabama? Yeah, and that's a question on a lot of people's minds. A lot of people have very strong thoughts on it. Personally, I want to see the best compete. I want to see the best take on the best, and you have it running last four years. These are the two best programs across the country. The Bama dynasty has been going on for a decade straight of them competing for national titles. As soon as Dabo and the boys down in Clemson, as soon as they won that, was it the Orange Bowl over Ohio State? It's like that program went from being pretty good and Clemsoning went away overnight and all of a sudden they're national title contender each and every year. This also features what's probably going to be your next two first overall draft picks in the NFL. I'm all on board. Yes, I get it. People like variation. People like hearing different names and seeing different names. But at the end of the day, these are the two best run and operated programs in college football right now, and they have the two biggest stars by a wide margin that yeah, are quarterbacking their teams. I, I will. Here's my problem. I will argue that, of course, Clemson and Alabama are the two biggest stars. Ohio State's been right there. Georgia's been right, right there's there. different from being right it's, there and being there, though. It is, and they didn't. It, it's my college football playoff argument. Part of the problem is it's been Clemson, Alabama, partially because last year we did not get the four best teams in college football in that college football playoff. I know Georgia got their doors blown off by Texas, but it, I will still get ten. When when you get your heart ripped out like they did in the SEC championship, you just don't show up for a regular bowl game. It doesn't mean anything. You lose some of your players to the NFL. 
NFL early. The focus isn't there. Same thing with Michigan, I'll say, against Florida. Oh, well, what's their uh, excuse for getting blown out against Ohio well, State? Well, that's then. the thing. When, when you're right there on the doorstep and you get blown out and there's your season, it's kind of hard to get up for that bowl game. So, But Georgia, I still think, if the, you put them in the college football playoff last year, it's even money with either one of those two teams. I know Clemson was on a mission. I know Alabama was great. Uh, but I think they're right there. But to the point, yeah, 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 it's cute and all, but, you know, get there. <laughs> and, and Alabama and Clemson have gotten there. And Clemson, over the two of the last three years, uh, no matter how it's happened, yeah, it, they've gotten the break of playing in the ACC, but there's no such thing as a cheap college football playoff national champion. No, because you have to go through two very good teams in order to win it once you actually get there. They blew the doors off of Notre Dame, and then they blew the doors off of Alabama in the title game 10 days later, and they proved that, yes, that defensive line was even somehow better than advertised as it was all year, and they were the true best team in the country. And nobody has an answer for this. I, I have we've, We have talked to Alabama experts. Uh, we have talked to people who know the SEC. We've talked to people who know Nick Saban. And what happened? Eh, they had a bad game. Like, there, there's no, like, tangible thing that said, oh, the team was tired. Nah, not really. There was about as rested a team as there has ever been in college football, considering they didn't have to play a fourth quarter in most games. Were they hurt? Eh, okay, but not any more hurt than... They just had an awful game, and Clemson just was amazing. That it, It's not even it's more both, It's also Clemson had one of the most dominating defensive lines college football's ever going to see. Well, Alabama's had that. For I know the, they've had that, but the draft stock that Clemson had last year, it it's, was, why, it's, it's, it's why Clemson, yes, their skill guys are young and just playmakers all over the field, but when you take that off of the field for them this year, I'm not on like, oh my God, look out, Clemson, upset watch week in, week out. But I have trouble believing, even with Trevor Lawrence having the year under his belt now and some of the freshman studs that they had a season ago having a year under their belt, I have trouble believing they'll be quite in the same ballpark of where they were a season ago. Oh, we were spoiled, too, because it, it uh, now we're talking about, oh, it's going to be Clemson-Alabama again, maybe. Is that really exciting? Yeah, because the last two times they've met just sucked. They're just the, there was nothing happening before in that, that, that semifinal game where Al- Clemson couldn't move the ball mm-hmm. at all on that Alabama defense because that was a jacked-up Alabama team. Last year was a jacked-up Clemson team, and obviously that game stunk. But before that, two had, of your all-time classic oh championship gosh, games. Those, I was sitting 10 feet away from these both these games. And not only that, not only were the uh, both the Sean Watson-Clemson-Alabama games amazing, but you also had one of the all-time greatest games, even though it wasn't the best-played game, but just in terms of just the atmosphere and the excitement and being in, in Atlanta for Georgia. That Georgia-Alabama game was just unbelievable. So we were spoiled by three incredible national championships. And so, yes, two years ago when it was the semifinal game, we thought, okay, great, this is Alabama-Clemson game because those last two games were so awesome, and we were kind of hoping for that this time around. And so I think as a, as a nation, as a college football world, we just don't want to see another clunker as opposed to, if, hey, if we can come up with another game like we had in those two national championships with Clemson and uh, Alabama before this, great. So let's go into imagination world here. Old NCAA video game, I forget which year it was, but you could actually expand the conferences or you could realign the conferences. Say that you were playing that game and you were able to take Clemson and take it out of the ACC and instead put it in the SEC East. And in its place, it replaces Georgia. And Georgia then goes to the ACC. 
or yeah, we'll, we'll go with Georgia. I'm right there. I am. I, I'm right there. That what does it mean for both those programs well, over the course of the last five years if they played and, in their and respective is, conferences? To take this, inst- even to take it one step further from the hypothetical "what if," let's let's push Mo- this going, going forward, forward. Where if you say, "Okay, college football playoff committee," you got to kind of look at you know read the room, look at the SEC this season. I know we're talking before the year, and a million things could happen. But right now, if you were to take say Clemson's not in the ACC and you replace them with LSU. LSU's by far the number one best team in the ACC going into the season. Same with Georgia. Same with uh, maybe even Texas A&M to a certain extent. I like them more than hey, everyone you else. You love Texas I know, I'm A&M. sorry. I, I'm Mr. Aggie this year. Mr. Aggie, Mr. Wolverine. But how Never about, disappointed. And how about Michigan State? Michigan State would be the number one team in the ACC this year. They'd be the number if, one defense. If it wasn't, if you took Clemson out there. Who's beating them? I mean, who if, are they scoring on, who, though? Exactly. It does who doesn't matter? There's, there's no other team they see. Win every Oregon. game nine to seven. It, hey, wins a win. But it, the point being that we're dogging the ACC and watch they rise up. If Florida State and Miami are good again right away, then all of a sudden this changes. Yeah, but I don't think you have to worry about that with Florida State this year. Miami's Miami is one of the most interesting teams in the country to me. But I'm sure plenty of that more is to come on it. But it's 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 just that it's Clemson and it's such a wide margin. It's like when I was growing up. It was always the Big Ten is however Ohio Big State. Big little eight, yeah. Yeah, it's however Ohio State and Michigan go, that's how the Big Ten goes. And the ACC theoretically is the same way. Clemson in Florida State or Clemson in Miami in Florida State. The problem is the last couple of years, well, Miami had one good year in that run, and other than that, Florida State's fallen off of a cliff. Here's my bigger fear in this whole thing. Isn't just, our, is it okay, but fine, we're careening towards Clemson and Alabama again. I don't want the Kevin Durant thing. Uh, the one thing that can derail Clemson, it, Alabama's a little bit too injury proof more than other teams because Mac Jones has time, and plus that team, they've won a national title with Jake freaking Coker. They can figure this one out. Georgia, if it loses Jake Fromm, uh, obviously if Justin Fields isn't good for Ohio State, if Justin Herbert goes down, the worst thing that could happen here, worse than Clemson, Alabama, if they play again, is if Trevor Lawrence goes down for four games and we're like, eh, what if? What 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 if this team and that's where it's going to be if this happens if is one of the top teams with its top quarterbacks goes down but comes back does the college football playoff committee have the ability to pivot on the fly and say yeah you know what you lost those three games in the middle or you lost two games in the middle of the season there but oh you're back and rocking again because your superstar quarterback is back I just don't want to see one of these two teams not make it because one of their superstar quarterbacks gets hurt. Yeah, that would uh, college football fans all over would be shafted if that were the case. It'd almost be like, was it Michael Vick's sophomore or junior year? I forget which one it was, but he got hurt at the end of the year, didn't play against Miami, and it kept Virginia Tech from being, I mean, they went to well, the Sugar about, Bowl in the BCS title game yep. his, his freshman year, but it kept them from being a threat. Well, think about that. last year at this exact time, Trevor Lawrence, Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields. All three of them are backups last year at this time. Those could be three starting quarterbacks in this year's college football playoff. That's where you lose the depth in the new transfer world, and hopefully that doesn't become an issue when it comes to Clemson and Alabama. That's Pete Futek. I'm Nick Shepkowski. We pause for a timeout. Afterwards, Paul Feinbaum. Yes, that Paul Feinbaum yeah. going to join us, talk some college football playoff, the future of it how Alabama sits going into next year or this year, and so much more. All things college football with Paul Feinbaum. It's Nick Shepkowski and Pete Futek on the College Football News Podcast. A pleasure for us now to go out to the guest line and welcome in our guest. You hear him each and every weekday, 3 to 7 p.m., 
Eastern time on the Paul Feinbaum show on ESPN networks all across the country. None other than the legend himself, Paul Feinbaum, kind enough to join us this evening on the College Football News Podcast. Paul, thank you for your time. Well, thank you. No, it's, it's a pleasure. And, uh, I, you know, it's been a long winter, uh, probably not as much for uh, me as for you, but I feel like we're finally getting there, guys. It absolutely has been. Why I love being on your show is because, one, you're just the best at making me say opinions to make people mad, and then, two, <laughs> it, it I every time I come off your show, I, I just say, wow, that was great, and all of a sudden I get on Twitter and I get about 500 people yelling at me because I said something crazy, and the last time I was on with you, and the discussion of our uh, show today is mainly the whole Clemson-Alabama world, and the last time I was on your show, I made what I thought was just a really basic, easy suggestion that, yes, no one's denying Clemson's greatness. No one's saying anything. There's no such thing as a cheap college football playoff championship. However, it's a lot easier to get through the ACC than it is to get through the SEC. And, yes, to play Pitt for a conference championship as opposed to Georgia or Alabama for a conference championship is harder. And you would have thought I would have said something totally crazy. How crazy an idea is it that, yeah, it's, it's harder just to get through the SEC? Well, first of all, you're 100% correct. I live in Charlotte, so I'm, I, I mean, I literally up and down my street are Clemson fans, Carolina fans, and and two years ago they really had it going. If, if you remember, Pete, uh, at ACC Media Days, uh, Jimbo Fisher started off saying, hey, we're the best conference in college football. They just come off of the uh, Clemson win against Alabama. Everyone said it. There's no way next week they can say that because they're not. Uh, they are basically Clemson and, and a bunch of also-rans. And, you know, they get very uh, particularly upset when you, when you make that claim, but it's true. And I, I, I mean, and, and Pittsburgh did so much damage to them last year, qualifying for the ACC. And the game's not remotely interesting. Meanwhile, in a couple hours earlier in Atlanta, you've got an epic game with Alabama and Georgia. And that's really the problem. I mean, Clemson's great. Nobody's criticizing Clemson. But it reminds me a little bit of 25, 30 years ago. I remember Steve Spurrier would uh, go undefeated, then he'd lose, he'd lose to Bobby Bowden at FSU, and then he'd make, a, he'd make the accusation, listen, i got to play everybody in the SEC. Bobby Bowden and Florida State have a two-game schedule. Same thing here. And at the same time, like you said, it, while Clemson's playing Pitt, everyone's watching the Big Ten Championship to see, okay, is Ohio State going to come out guns blazing and just blow away Northwestern because that mattered in the college football playoff? And the ACC just becomes an afterthought, which, to your point, the other thing that I, I've suggested, I believe I did on your show and also got roasted about, was the concept that if you were to take Georgia three years ago and put them in the ACC Atlantic and take Clemson and put it, them in the SEC East, you, Georgia, we might be talking about Georgia almost like we're talking about Clemson. It doesn't mean that Clemson couldn't win an SEC title or win a national championship. It just kind of goes to show that Georgia... LSU, you know, even Auburn from a couple years ago probably wins the ACC championship without a problem either and probably goes 12-1 and at the very least doing it. Yeah, I don't want to go too old school here because uh, when I was younger, I got sick and tired of hearing about the way it used to be. But, but I'm going to tell you a quick story. Bobby Bowden in the uh, late 80s had a chance to get in the SEC when he was at Florida State. He said no. I asked him why about three years ago. He said, are you, are you crazy, buddy? You know Bobby talked. He said, why would I want to play all those guys? I don't want to go to LSU and, and uh, Auburn and Alabama and Georgia and Tennessee. He said, I, I can, yeah, basically, I've got a one-game season uh, in, the, in the league, which was Clemson, 
in at a league, which was Florida. And, you know, Bobby won a couple of national titles. Steve Spurrier won one and probably was a better coach. And it just gets to you. And, uh, you know, Nick Saban has been able to navigate the SEC better than anyone in, in history, uh, in, at least in the, in the modern era. But still, I mean, Saban lost the game in 08 with an undefeated team. He, uh, yeah, he, he hasn't gotten, you know, Saban, and the one part about Saban is he won the, he's won the national championship twice while not even winning his own division, but that's another story. But, but, but for the most part, though, Georgia has, has really paid a price, and, and so have other schools, like LSU. I mean, how many more national championships would LSU uh, have had under Les Miles had he been able to skip Alabama every year? Looking at it, Paul, what do you take from last year's 44-16 national championship? Does any of that, does it in any way, shape, or form matter 1% going into the end of August here? I think what it's done is it's made Alabama vulnerable, at least in perception. And by the way, all Alabama has to do is win the title this year, and it doesn't matter. But here is the problem, I think, with what happened and how bad it looked. If for some reason, uh, and... Odds would favor this. Alabama and Clemson get back in the championship game, and Clemson wins, even though it would be the fifth time they played, and, and Alabama would be down three to two. All you would hear from the pundits is that Dabo has won three of the last four against Saban, and it would make him look vulnerable. But once the season starts, I don't think it's going to make any difference at all. Absolutely. The genius of the last few years under Dabo Sweeney at Clemson, obviously, and uh, Nick Saban at Alabama, hasn't just been that they're getting to the national title or getting to the college football playoff. It's that they're doing it year after year by losing one game or going undefeated. And it's almost become just like, oh, well, they're just going to do this now. From a historical perspective, to have two teams that have everybody gunning for them and year after year are able to play at this high a level, as crazy as this might sound, is what they're doing underrated compared to, again, on a historical standpoint, what teams have been able to do in the past. Yeah, I mean, I think it is. And there have been great matchups in the past, Oklahoma and Nebraska playing every year for a shot at the championship. Alabama-Auburn have, I mean, if you go back, uh, in uh, since 2009, that game has mattered an, a, a tremendous amount. Uh, I mean, Alabama's played for what seven? Uh, and they've won five national championships uh, and have been involved in seven. Auburn's been there twice as well. But I, I, I think it, I think we look at it negatively because they're regional schools. I mean, listen, I live in the South. And it bores me. I cannot imagine what it's like in New York or Chicago or, uh, or L.A. It, I mean, these are not exciting schools. And, and, and what makes it even worse is the third part of this equation, Georgia, is on the way between Tuscaloosa and Clemson. I mean, you can stop there for lunch. Uh, so, and I think it affects college football ratings. And I think for, all, from the, for, for the, uh, the Bill Hancocks of the world, the man who runs college football, the college football playoff, it, it makes them look small when they try to defend the 14 playoff. The 18 playoff would probably not change anything, but at least it would have brought Ohio State into the mix last year and, and probably a couple of years. It would have it would have brought more schools to the party. Uh, I mean, there there was. I mean, I realized the score of the the Alabama Oklahoma game was two two touchdowns maybe or two and a half touchdowns last year, but at one time it was about a 30 point game. 
uh, and you mix that with what happened between Clemson and Notre Dame, that was an awful Saturday of college football when it should have been the best day of the year. And the other problem is these fan bases are tapped out. I mean, look at the Alabama fans. If you're going to the SEC championships and you're going to yeah. the, the the first college football playoff semifinal, then the national championship, and you're doing it every year, I know, boo-hoo, but it's hard to maintain that energy. It's like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to afford to go to all the way out to Santa Clara. This year it's a little bit easier, obviously, with New Orleans. Uh, but to your point, with the college football playoff committee, it's their job to pick the f- supposed four best teams. It's my biggest problem with the whole system is we're still basing this on judging. And yeah, last year you looked at, you kind of had to put Notre Dame in. You kind of had to put in Oklahoma, if not Ohio State, but one of those two, and obviously Clemson and uh, and Alabama. So you couldn't avoid it. But considering that the ACC path is so much easier and the SEC path is so hard, is the college football playoff committee screwing this up by not giving, for example, I still say last year, Georgia deserved to get in on a four best team theory based on what they did in the SEC championship. And the playoff committee just seems to be like, yeah, we're going to stick with this current format and take as many teams as possible. Instead of saying, you know what, the SEC might just have the two or three, two or three of the best teams in the country. Yeah, that, that is correct. And, and, and like you, Pete, uh, I mean, I'm there every year on Selection Sunday uh, trying to find something wrong. And you can quibble, but you can't do much more than that. Because I, I don't, what, what bothers me more than anything about this committee is their arrogance uh, and you know, their, their, their attitude as if they have just solved the world's problems by picking the four best teams in the country. Uh, you, know, you could go into a bar uh, on the south side of Chicago and find 10 people and come, come to the same conclusion, it is really not very difficult. I, they try to act like, uh, I mean, because they have iPads and they watch all these games, that they, they really know what they're doing. Well, I, I don't, do I don't they watch the games, though? That, else. Do yeah. they watch the games? That's kind of my issue is that... I don't know what they do. Exactly. Uh, all, all they do is talk about how hard they work. They sit uh, out in Dallas... In a, in a suite, you know, ordering caviar and beef Wellington, and, and act like they're, you know, it's an, it's inconvenient for them. But I, I there, I don't think it's a bad system. But it, and it's it's hard to argue that four will make any any different, except for this reason. And you know what I'm I'm about to say. In the in the in the in the four years of the college football, or in the five years of the college football playoff, let's see, uh, is it yeah, five? Yep. We. Uh, we haven't seen a number one seed win yet. And that that was the problem last year, where it's like if you're a number one seed, actually it was two years ago, you, okay, Clemson's the number one seed, oh, congratulations, you get Alabama. There, there's just no advantage to being a one seed or a four seed. It's just getting in. And I, I frankly think six is better than eight. Yep. It, it get, uh, it, it, but something has to give. And, and you know, I work for ESPN, and I don't want to say this too loudly, but I mean, <laughs> I mean ESPN – and, and the College Football Playoffs Committee do work together, uh, that show every Tuesday night, which I participate in. Uh, and, and, I, I mean, and another thing I don't like, what's wrong with some transparency? Yes, uh, thank you. Know, can we know what the votes are? Is that, is that a state secret? I went through the process, uh, the mock process there, uh, down there, and it was great to watch to see how it all worked. I, I'm with you. I, it was my line at the time where when Condoleezza Rice is, you know, being a part of this, like, here's a woman who dealt with the Iraq war, but really she can't handle angry Ohio State fans. I think we're cool no. on being able to see what each of these people think throughout the process. 
And I understand uh, while it's going on, it would be it, it, it would be inconvenient. I mean, some of these people are naive, and uh, and they're going to take a, a a comment on Twitter perhaps uh, uh, seriously versus laughing it off like most of us. But uh, you know, when it's all over, let's see the votes. Uh, what's I mean, you you are deciding the most important thing in college football. I want to know how it went down versus this total BS that Bill Hancock gives us when it's all over. One thing on expansion before we let you go and appreciate your time, Paul. Alabama sneaks by Georgia, comes back, has a miraculous win in the SEC title game, and I get it, Georgia can easily make claim they're one of the three or four best teams in the country last year, but why should Alabama then in turn have to go and beat Georgia again? Like, Why should they be dealt the hand of, all right, you beat them last week, here's a matchup with them again a month from now? Right. Yeah, and I think that was one of the problems last year, and I think that's the main reason they did. These guys act like they don't want. I mean, I asked, I asked. Uh, I know it's not like I'm beating up on Hancock, but for people who don't know, he's probably the nicest man in America. Absolutely, that's beside the point. Um, I asked him. I said, "You guys pay attention, uh, ladies. Guys, pay attention to what's being said on TV." He said, "No, we don't watch any of it." I mean, are you kidding me? Uh, they're watching everything that's said. They're they're influenced by the pundits. Do you think it? Do you think they were influenced two years ago when Saban, when he didn't win his division and lost to Auburn, showed up on game day on uh, conference championship Sunday, Saturday? Excuse me. Yeah, of course. It, I mean, he's they they were influenced by that, and uh, that that that's part of it. I mean, it, the system is not broken, but it it's getting stale, and that and that's really uh, my argument. Something needs to happen because the if you if you study it. The audiences for the championship game are not going up, and uh, and I think college football has allowed everyone else to grow on them. Uh, five years ago, college football was the number two sport in the country. It's not anymore. The NBA is. Paul, great stuff. Appreciate you taking the time this afternoon. Before we let you go, is this all just a countdown to Bama, Clemson, round five in uh, in late December? Yeah, I, I would be. Looking for headlines, which I'm not, by saying no. I mean, I, I will say I feel very confident about Alabama. I mean, I, in spite of all the, the offseason of, of criticism, and it's been deserved, I still believe Nick Saban is extremely dangerous coming from behind. And, but I wonder, I'm going to go with them, but I'm going to offer this caveat. Can, can Clemson handle all the attention? Winning once, winning once was interesting. But can they do it again? Uh, they have a lot of pressure on them. They're recruiting well. Their, their program is on fire. But this is the first time that Dabo can't come out there, even though he has, and try to act like we're little old Clemson. They're Nobody not believes in us. Anymore. Paul Feinbaum from the Paul Feinbaum Show here at each and every weekday on ESPN. Appreciate taking the time. Great stuff, and we'll do this again soon. It was my pleasure. Great to be on with you guys. Fun conversation with Paul Feinbaum moments ago. More conversation to be had about the SEC, the talent in that conference, and the talent in other conferences as well on the College Football News Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Nick Shabkowski, alongside Pete Futek, who gets this thing flying in the air each and every time out for you. And kind enough to join us now on our little guest hotline, Eric Edholm from Yahoo Sports, Yahoo Football Coverage. What's up, Eric? Everything's good, man. I'm... I'm... I keep seeing these countdowns to the college season and the, and the NFL season. I'm, I'm finally getting like geared up, fired up, ready to go. Like football is 
just around the horizon here. Which also, we have to have the rite of passage before we get into the season, though, which means I'm about somewhere within five to seven days of when I have that dream where I haven't graduated from college and I didn't <laughs> study all semester for that you know quantum physics test. I, I, don't, I, I think I have it. I think I have the college football season figured out. I'm not quite there yet, though. Yeah, I mean, if you ask me who's going to, like, you know, win the Minnesota Gophers QB job, I'm probably not going to have a great answer for you, you know? Or I don't or think they have me, a great answer for you. Yeah, right, exactly. But, yeah, no, I mean, or if you ask me who the third receiver on Texas is, I, I might stumble around for five or ten minutes, but... But yeah, I'm 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 getting there. I'm I'm starting to prep. I'm I'm like I would get about a C minus if the test was like now. So what do you look at as the lead draft analyst for Yahoo when you're starting to look at things now and starting to prepare yourself? What are you looking at to kind of get ready for this season? Yeah, you know it's funny. I I was I always keep a list of guys who are not draft eligible, like in you know January through April when I'm watching tape, and I'll say. Ooh, I got to double back on this guy or, Oh man, I'll tell you what, this offensive line is legit. Like Boise state. You know what I mean? Like I, I was watching, I forget who I was watching, honestly, but I was watching some D lineman against Boise state and that is a good group. And I made it sort of a little mental note to myself. I got to watch this group next year. You know, when they're fully healthy, they're really good. So it's stuff like that. I'll kind of have, you know, everybody knows what two attack of Iloa looks like. And, you know, everybody's seen, you know, some of the, the big name guys at this point, but Where's the Daniel Jones? Give me the you're you're the expert. Give me right now as we're talking before the season gets started. Where's my Daniel Jones? And is Jalen Hurts obviously the number one overall draft pick next year? Considering <laughs> last year at this time, no one would have thought Kyler Murray would be number one overall. Right? No, it's so true, man. I mean, like you think about it, like Quentin Williams and all these guys, you know, Kyler and everything. It was the, the top of the draft last year was very bizarre. So that the out of left field guy. How about Jordan Love from Utah State? I mean, okay. look, I, I realize there could be a lot more accomplished quarterbacks or like, the, you know, the flashy SEC guys like Trom and Tua and, you know, Justin Herbert. We've been talking about him for a couple of years now. But, like, you know, I don't think, you know, Love is going sixth overall. But the more I watch him, Why the more not? I'm well, that, yeah. that's the crazy part about it. Now with the transfers, with all the quarterbacks going sure. everywhere, where now if you're telling me right now, if we're talking six months from now and Kelly Bryant becomes the fifth overall pick in the draft, okay, I'm not 100,000% shocked by that. You know, right. Or if Jalen Hurts does end up being like a 67%, actually he's a pretty accurate passer to begin with, but Jalen Hurts does take that step forward. Or Felipe Franks puts together a monster. See, like It's so wacky now where everyone's got a starting quarterback, but nobody has a backup, so there's just more quarterbacks than ever, and nobody in the NFL needs a quarterback anymore. Yeah, no, I mean, that, those, are all, you know, those are all true things, and it, it is so interesting to see how guys sort of come out of nowhere and how they, you know, how we look at them so differently a year later. De'Eric King from Houston, you know, people keep saying, oh, he's a wide receiver. No, he's a quarterback, and he's going to be good. I think he has a chance to be good. Is he going to be Kyler Murray? Is he that level of electric athlete? No, but he does some. If you like Murray, if you love Murray, you're going to like him. Same, you know, so there's plenty of prospects. Now that we have a Murray going first overall, I think it really does open up the spectrum for the possibilities of the types of quarterbacks you can see at the top of the draft. Oklahoma is one of those teams that's in the conversation, but how far is the gap between Alabama, Clemson, and everyone else? 
I don't know, Pete, you could probably give a better answer than this, but I think it's it's still pretty big until further notice. Until there's that game-changing quarterback or, or, you know, the defense that comes out of nowhere, one big playmaker to go along with all those things on another team, you know, it's it's really hard to say that, that those two teams don't look kind of the best right away. Georgia, and at least in terms of NFL Georgia, talent, Georgia, yeah. the LSU defense, LSU defense. But to, to your point, like Georgia would be to me off the top of my head, and not just figuring out okay who's going to win this season, but in terms of the NFL draft, if you look like who has the dudes, I, I've heard so many different opinions on Jake Fromm potentially being that guy. Where yeah, he might be Drew Brees' accuracy in terms mm-hmm. of moxie. Does he have that deep arm? I we don't know yet. But that seems like that's the one team that talent wise. You know, you know, Ohio State, maybe. We don't know what Justin Fields is yet. But talent-wise, NFL guy for guy, Georgia seems like the one team that could hang with the, the other two big boys. Yeah, Georgia, no doubt. I mean, their run game, their offensive line, obviously. You know, they, they continue to crank out talent on defense and these sort of long-limbed, freakish athletes, things like that. Defensive backs are always usually pretty good. So, I agree with you. LSU does not play a hard schedule. Auburn at home is probably going to be, I think, their toughest game. Utah State actually goes there, too. But... Um, you know, if Joe Burrow plays like he did down the stretch and those, you know, those receivers kind of step up their game a little bit, I mean, that defense could be nasty. It really could. So they're, by virtue of their schedule, um, I think you have to include them. And then, as you pointed out earlier, Kelly Bryant's going to be a top-five pick. I mean, you got to put Mizzou in that conversation. I'm sorry. That's the tiger in me talking. <laughs> I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. That'll be great. Mizzou will finally win the big game and cap things off, and they won't have a ball well, to first go to they've go stop, they First, they've got to stop getting the tutors <laughs> to take the tests for people like Eric Edholm. And just... no, Eric Edholm's <laughs> taking the test oh, for Oh, Eric, yeah. Eric Edholm's taking right. the test for everyone. That, by the way, the, you want to talk about... There's, in, in the world of NCAA violations, this is about as soft as they come. Not to go on a tangent oh. here, but for, I let the Mizzou guy get. But that is is talk about like really. This is what you guys are not. It's not even really their fault. It's certainly not Barry Odom's fault. It's just yeah. it just seems like a as bad luck as it gets in terms of how these things roll. Oh, in full compliance too. They basically said, "Yep, we made a mistake. Here's every bit of information." Not trying to hide anything. You play ball with the NCAA, they're going to wreck you. I mean, they, got, they got punished for like playing. You're right for doing the right, right. thing. No d- good deed will uh, go unpunished or whatever. So, and now they're yeah, a dangerous team full of lots and lots of talent in the dangerous SEC. So, it, so when you're looking at this as you go into the season, is it, it's kind of like you know almost like Wheel of Fortune where they give you the you know the le- the, the first five letters at the end there. Is it, is it just a given? We're just going to give it that the SEC is going to have more talent than everyone else. And then when you're looking at draft stuff, try to find the Boise State guys and just later just assume, okay, as I watch SEC teams, okay, everyone's pretty good. They're going to take up all the draft, and let me find those other guys at this point. Yeah, I mean, I it's hard not to start there. And, and you know, especially with teams like, you know, Vanderbilt has some good skill position players this year. Like, we're just starting from the bottom, right? I mean, Kentucky has turned into a legitimate program now. Um you know, I don't think Arkansas is going to be that terrible team it was two years ago or whatever. So I, I, I see improvement from the bottom, too. Like, the worst team may not be ranked any lower than, like, the 60s or something like that. So every week, in and out, you see that just how gifted these teams are. It is a difference. There's no question about it. I was talking to an area scout, you know, who said, he's like, you always dread your visits to Alabama, Georgia, schools like that. You know, lately, Mississippi State, Ole Miss have produced a lot of picks. 
He said, because you get there, you watch practice, you watch tape, you got a three-hour drive, and you know you have to write up, like, 13 dudes. And he's like, <laughs> you know, it just goes to show you, like, there's some schools that haven't produced 13 draft picks in a decade. You know, and this is the – you look at at Bama this year. I mean, they, they, could, they could do some real damage in the first two rounds of the draft. Georgia, too. You know, Florida has a couple guys that I really like. And LSU, we know every year – A&M's getting better, so I, I just I, it's hard not to say that top, middle, and bottom they're they're so layered compared to every other conference out there. One of the conferences around here, obviously, the Big Ten. Michigan is a team of the off season. They're off season <laughs> champs. Ask Pete; he's already got them. They're in college going football to the college playoff. football playoff. He's I... put him in there because Jim Harbaugh has this great track record of winning big games against top ten teams. He's just magically going to change. <laughs> But you take the coaching out of it, take Urban Meyer's departure from Ohio State out of it, and put in just talent alone. How does Michigan stack up to the two toughest teams on its schedule, both Notre Dame and Ohio State at the end of the year? Yeah, I think pretty well. I mean, obviously you look and you have to say, Shea Patterson's got to improve. I mean, he's got to show us more than he did. And he still had some moments last year, but you want to see more. They've got two or three you know, first-team Big Ten all-offensive linemen-type guys. Uh, the receiving talent, Tariq Black and, and Peoples-Jones, both, both both good players. Defensively, though, they lose a ton, as you guys know. I mean, that's, I, that's probably where I would start and say, you know, I, I realize that defense fell apart the last, you know, two games of the season or whatever, but that was still their, their, their bread and butter last. And they're not going to have that kind of a stop unit this season. So, you know, is there is there depth that we don't know about? Are there young players that are ready to step up that first to second year jump? We'll see. But yeah, I mean, obviously Josh Gaddis's arrival is, is, is going to be a big part of what they do because if they're not scoring, you know, four to seven more points per game. I, I don't know that their their path is going to be you know paved in gold. I think they really have some, some work to do early in the year to identify who their defensive standouts are going to be. Wrapping up here with Eric Edholm from Yahoo Sports, draft scout and analyst to the stars. Final question for you. Now that we're kind of past the spread offense being so hard to figure out, is trying to figure out which quarterbacks are good, is that easier now? Harder because of the Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray's? Uh, do we kind of know how to translate the skill set from college to the pros a little bit better? Or is it still just totally trying to figure it out and hope for the best? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, it, it sometimes is tricky, right? It's almost like the exception now when you see a pro-style quarterback or a system that's a little bit different than the spread, your typical spread system or whatever. So, you know, you almost have to kind of retrain your brain back to where you were six, seven, eight years ago or even more than that maybe. But, yeah, I mean, some of it is the NFL people being so kind of dialed into what they're used to looking for, you know, the, the types of throws they want to see. Give me that 17-yard out. You know, well, okay, if we can get the underneath stuff, if we can exploit matchups to gain first downs, why wouldn't we do it, you know? So I understand that, that there's a, a meeting in the middle a little bit, but – I think it is easier to identify the good quarterbacks. Of course, I've, I've missed on my share. But, uh, you know, I, I remember watching Dak Prescott, for instance, and I kept thinking, look, I mean. Tebow. Yeah, he has He's move, Tim Tebow. Look at that throwing motion, his style. I thought that there's no way with that, the way that guy threw back then. I felt like the difference between his, 
well, I guess it was his junior year and his senior year, he really kind of cleaned up the motion a little bit and tightened it up. I thought, man, I would take this dude in the third round. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I would, I, I made him my number thirty-eight or nine overall player that year. I put him pretty. I put a big grade on him. So that's one of the few I've gotten right. Of course, right after that, I had Connor Cook. So I was still in that like pro, you know, big arm kind of big stature mindset a little bit. So you're always going to have your your evaluation misses on these things. But I do think in the last three, four years, it's become a little bit easier to figure out that these guys can play in the league. I am still sticking with my unwavering belief that Danny Werfel is going to be a better pro than Peyton Manning. I've said it. (laughs) I'm sticking with it. I am not backing off that call now. Hey. I'll tell you what, that, that, you know, if Peyton had played in that system at Florida, maybe, Oof. you know, maybe things would have been different. Yeah, maybe Florida would have actually, you know, I don't know, maybe Peyton Manning wouldn't have had all those losses against Florida. Right. I guess how it goes. Too soon, he too soon. to Florida, right? Yeah, maybe Tennessee would, wouldn't have taken so long to be the afterthought that they are now. He's Eric at home, the draft expert at Yahoo Sports. Kind enough to join us tonight. Appreciate taking the time. Eric will be checking out your work. All off season, all during the season, and then all postseason as well as you get ready for the draft. All right, guys. Thank you. That's Eric Edholm coming up next. We're going to go through the Power Five, looking at each and every big conference in college football, some of the big power conferences, the power plays, the big topics there. It's Nick Shepkowski and Pete Futek on the College Football News Podcast. Time now for the Power Five. Rapid fire, five questions for the biggest programs and biggest conferences in college football on the College Football News Podcast with Nick Shepkowski and Pete Futek. We start in the ACC. Mac Brown, the story of the offseason there. What in the heck is North Carolina doing, and how is this any different than Les Miles being hired at Kansas? Well, Les Miles won something recently, and he's a better coach Did right he now. Though? Oh, it's not that far removed from this, but uh, but here's the thing: Mac Brown's been out, was floundering at the end of his Texas run, and he's an uninspired choice. When you've got Scott Satterfield going to Louisville, Jeff Collins going to Georgia Tech, those are guys you can build a program around. Can you build North Carolina? What's your end game if you're North Carolina? To go to a bowl game? That You're not going to win the ACC title with Mac Brown. Yeah, I don't understand that part. I don't understand the excitement of Mac Brown. Besides, he's a familiar name, and he happened to coach at North Carolina 20 or so years ago. I'm missing the boat on this one, and it's just kind of the, all right, seat filler for a couple of years, and maybe you go 7-5 and five and... You go back to the whatever bad bull the ACC is associated with. Congratulations, Caroline. Choice, yes. Yeah, I, it's the same thing to me. Les Miles, I have strong points or strong thoughts of exact same way of that hiring at Kansas. Mac Brown, the same thing to me on this one. Hard for me to get excited. We switch to the Big Ten. Lovey Smith and the Fighting Illini. Things have not gone their way three years in. What needs to be done for Lovey Lovey Smith to save his job? Well, they got to quit with this whole youth movement thing, even though they're starting a true freshman quarterback, most likely, in Isaiah Williams. It, it, they're there. I, if you look at their schedule. It's Where's there, then? Getting to a bowl game. I think that they could possibly get there. They... The offense kind of clicked for a little bit last year. What's been the most shocking is, for considering what a great defensive mind he is, there's just nothing happening on that defensive side. And that's where they've got to figure this out fast. They've got to get those young players to rock and roll right away. But if you look at their schedule, Akron, 
at UConn, Eastern Michigan. They could lose to Eastern Michigan. Hey, Eastern Michigan beat Purdue last year. That's got to be three wins right there. They get Rutgers at home. There you get four wins. Remember, they rocked Minnesota last year. So if you could find two more wins in there, you could probably get to six wins. I think the win total in Vegas is, I think, is it three or three and a half? They're going to blow that away. I think your Illinois fighting line, I can get to six wins. Oh, boy. I am looking at their schedule from last year. And from October 13th to the end of the year, it went like this. It's bad. Points allowed. 46 against Purdue. 49 against Wisconsin, 63 against Maryland, a 55-31 win over Minnesota, but allow 54 points in a loss at Nebraska, 63 against Iowa, yeah, Northwestern team that was rusting everyone because they'd already clinched but their first But that's part of the deal. Trip. Again, that's all you care about is Ken, that's all some people Northwestern's care about. Northwestern's not going to be benching everyone because they've clinched get, their spot to Indy, Illinois get though. the three and a half wins, absolutely. Yeah, three and a half wins, a bowl game's a different story. We switch gears. Big 12, Oklahoma's conference to lose. We can all probably agree on that. Is Texas back? Probably not quite back, but they're pretty damn close to being there. Who's good after the Red River shootout? Who comes in at number three in the Big 12? Well, the, the funky part about this is I know you hate Les, Les Miles. I think it's a great I, choice. It's a terrible that's a phenomenal, phenomenal get by Kansas, but, but that's not why God. you called. Take Kansas out of the mix, and all the other teams in the conference are good enough that on any given day they can rise up and rock. Texas Tech is going to have an offense again. Baylor under Matt Rule is going to have an offense. I like this Oklahoma State team a lot under Chris Kleiman. Uh, Kansas State's going to be a player. My team, though, that I think watch out for, TCU's going to fix the glitch. That that They went to the Big 12 championship game two years ago. Last year, the defense was great. No offense. If they can get the quarterback situation settled right away, it looks like it should be okay. And they have a little bit more of offense. Gary Patterson usually follows up bad seasons with good ones. I think TCU is the number three team. I think that they could probably sneak their way into this. Mm, TCU. They're going to be inspired coming off of that win in the Cheez-It Bowl. The memorable Cheez-It Bowl against Cal they won, last though. year. You, if you're going to play the Cheez-It Bowl, you win the Cheez-It you Bowl. You win the Cheez-It Bowl in one of my favorite bowl games ever played. For the record, I'll throw Iowa State out there. Really like what Matt Campbell has done at that college, even though Iowa State's a team that's had trouble putting together winning seasons in back-to-back years for quite some time. Moving on to the Pac-12 we go. Oh my goodness, it's been forever. I don't know when the last time you can even say it. The Pac-12 wins a big out-of-conference game. They have a big chance coming up week one, Oregon against Auburn. In Jerry's world, does the streak of Pac-12 national irrelevance finally come to it an end? It had better. Uh, they, you did have the Arizona State win over Michigan State last year, but it just it didn't move the whole overall needle, especially when you have the loss that you had uh, early on last season when Washington, who's the big dog, loses to a mediocre Auburn team to start the season. So if you're Oregon, absolutely, you got to win that game. Utah's got to beat BYU early on. Stanford's got to beat Northwestern. They got to go to UCF and win that game in rock. You know, USC don't lose to Fresno State. For the Pac 12 to matter and be relevant, they've got to make a big national splash in week one. And it starts with Arizona has to destroy Hawaii on August 24th. Yeah, that's Pac 12 is just a conference for me. It's gotten to the point of, all right, until further notice, you're kind of on the pay no mind list. It'll be better. New co- the coaches are now in their second year, the Chip Kellys of the world, Kevin Sullivan. It's going to be a better overall league, but they might eat each other up. <laughs> it's going to be the problem. Man. Yep. And you got Clay Helton just playing out the round there in uh, Southern California. Finally, Urban's on the way. Urban's on the way. Okay. Yeah. Urban's starting his podcast, though, where he's going to change the world with leadership and the right thing to do and all of that. I don't know if you saw that. I the- did. 
past couple of days. But uh, yeah, Urban Meyer going to change you the go world be one body at a time. Finally, the SEC. We look to the Southeastern Conference, and we can talk Bama, we can talk Georgia, the reemergence of Florida, LSU, all that greatness. No, let's take it a different way. Arkansas, do they, the Razorbacks, have any competition to call themselves the 14th best team in the SEC this year? Whenever you got Vanderbilt around, there's always that chance, even though the, the Commodores actually have some really nice skill players. Arkansas is going to be, I, I assume they're going to be fun bad because Chad Morris in this office, they've got guys there who can at least play quarterback now. If they can stay healthy at the skill spots, they've got a shot to, to, to turn this around fast, at least record-wise. They can beat Portland State. They can beat Colorado State. They can beat San Jose State. Those three home games, there's your three wins right out of the gate. They can beat Western Kentucky later on in the season. There's four wins. Now you just have to come up with a, an upset or two along the way. They could beat an Ole Miss. They could stun a, uh, I don't know, maybe a Missouri at the end of the year. I, they could rise up fast and be one of those six-win sneaky good teams. That's not that great, but they just so happen to have the right schedule to rock through it and not be the 14th best team in a 14-team league. Yeah, at least in terms of record, but I, I don't know. I look at Ole Miss, and it's... Show me where Ole Miss is going to win games. At Memphis, that's not the easiest of -of out-of-conference slates. Arkansas, early on in the year, you better win that one because otherwise it's southeastern Louisiana. They're losing to Cal. They're losing at Bama. They're probably losing to Vanderbilt. I mean, losses galore. Losses heavy. This will be a 2-10-ish type team for Ole Miss, maybe 3-9-ish. It's it's not going to be pretty for Matt Luke. And the I'm boys. just going to say it. They're going to beat Ole Miss and Arkansas. They're going to be four and zero to start the season before going to te- before oh uh, dealing with Texas A&M. Watch out for the Hogs. Woo pig. He is Pete Futek. He's the one that will so wave the banner that. of Lovey Smith of Ole Miss of Arkansas. Give me of all your, your tired, bu- your poor, your bad college football teams, and I will find hope for all of you. That's what he will do, and I'll sit here and speak into reality for you. That is the Power Five, and that will conclude our edition of this college football news podcast. Big thank yous to pass along Paul Feinbaum, kind enough to join us for a few minutes earlier, talking all things SEC college football playoff in Alabama. Eric Edholm, as well, from Yahoo Sports, and for you, the listener. Thank you very much for putting up with us for the last hour or so. For Pete Futek, I'm Nick Shepkowski. This has been the College Football News Podcast.